And like I said, undead are reciprocally receptive to radiant damage. But what happened here was I didn't use a single tap of radiant damage for this one. We were in a cave, and we had a bunch of vampire spawn chasing us, and they were bloodthirsty coming at us. They would not stop until they got us. It was daylight outside. My dwarf is a wisdom... They reflected on their own memories of victory as gladiators. The successor was always proven to be one who was prepared and equipped for any conceivable combat scenario. Oftentimes, they relied on their skills as artisans to supplement their effectiveness in combat. With their artisan skills and equipment in mind, the Pathfinders thought they would soon need to take what supplies they had gathered and take to their artisan work, preparing for what lay ahead. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Welcome back, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also a new face to the show today, community member Donver. Welcome in, buddy. Thank you very much, Sam. Absolutely. So... Before we dig in too far, as always, got to give a shout out to the home of this podcast, AshesHQ.com, the community curated website for all things Ashes of Creation. Also, big shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week. Also, if you want to leave us some love, call in. You can call into 1-539-664-6801 or go over to at Ashes Pathfinder on Twitter. Look for our pinned post at the top of our feed. Look for all the places for the podcast. And right there, you'll see an iTunes link specifically. If you'd like to shoot us five stars, leave us a comment. We greatly appreciate it. And we will read that here live on the show. We'll also read mail. So if you shoot us a mail over at ashespathfinders at gmail.com, that grunt somewhere in Vera will get it to us when, well, we can find them or they can find us because Pathfinders are always on course, aren't they? And that isn't always the course that those damn grunts know of, even though they should be attuned to us somehow, but that's a whole different discussion. Perhaps we could craft them something. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Community discussion stuff, outlines, points that we got to make sure we talk about before we dig too far in. Um, as many of you are aware, and if you weren't aware, some people didn't know about this when we talked about it Wednesday, but Ashes of Creation's live stream did not happen on Friday. Why, Sim? Why? Well, that's a great question. But usually when Steven delays things, there's a reason. We'll 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 talk about the, the our ideas on this shortly. But if you're not aware, it is going to be this Thursday, the 31st of March at 11 a.m. Pacific, okay? Um, also Knights of the Phoenix, that's right. Our guild for this community, which actually everybody on this show right now is a part of, by the way. So hammers up to our Knights of the Phoenix here. We are the community or guild that is sort of, uh, the spearhead of this greater community. So if you're looking for a good guild with good people and good times might be your place, homies. It is definitely the guild for the Pathfinders, the Ashes fam, and pretty much anything you all see around this channel specifically. Um, 
We had our community night again on Friday. As as always, you are all welcome to join us. It's open to everybody, but our nights definitely lead that. We've been playing City of Heroes recently, which uh, we had another good day last Friday. It was really good to, again, see new names and faces, um, part of that. Um, and Daedalus has an article, as we talked about last time, that will be going live on Ashes HQ tomorrow. So look for that on the Ashes HQ Twitter, in our Discord, and all the places you'll probably see it. Um, I see something about your faces. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that later in chat. All right, chat. Welcome in, everybody, all of our Pathfinders who are here to join us live. And uh, in typical Pathfinder format, for the first time someone joins our show... Right now, Donver's not a stranger to the community, but he's new as a community member joining the show on the round table. So this is when we say, Donver, why don't you tell us about your your Ashes origin story? Well, what's that, Sim? Basically, how did you find out about Ashes? What really drew you into it? What are you excited about? Many plans you have uh, for the future for yourself, both in-game, community-oriented, any of that, anything you got to share with the community here? Uh, well, I originally started getting into Ashes actually uh, recently after I uh, ended my uh, time with the MMO Albion Online. Uh, something that really drove me into that game was the crafting system, because the rest of that game was not my forte. Uh, and I originally just looked up uh, an MMO crafting systems and i actually saw a uh, a youtube video uh from lazy peon that's how i originally started uh my ashes journey with that one video from lazy peon uh and i'm always uh driven in mmos by crafting and community as well as role play uh healing and how healing is handled in video games as well is a very core integrated part of my enjoyment in Ashes. So I also would like to focus on being a dedicated healer as well as a de dedicated crafter. Nice, man. Yeah, good old Lazy Peon, man, the gateway. He's like the gateway creator, right? Like, I don't know how many people have joined this community, the Ashes of Creation community specifically, that have referenced the lazy peon as, uh, you know, sort of like the person that, uh, you know, sort of brought them here in terms of caught their attention or, you know, raised awareness to to the game. Um, well, yeah, awesome, and and definitely glad to have you join in. You're the first, but we we're talking about this before we went live, actually, and. Um, yes, Lazuki, when you try really hard to distract one of our panel members, what happens is Twitch comes in and hits you with four ads back to back. I'd like to call that quick karma. Hashtag get dusted. Okay. It's a thing. <laughs> Lazuki's also a I think I got member, the so. baby powder somewhere in the back <laughs> if you want me to get it. Trying to break Donver in the middle of talking. Good, good job. Donver, by the way, I suggest don't look at chat as you're talking moving forward because it's clear people are going to try to get you to bust up. Although it's very likely to happen. <laughs> yeah. It, it minimizes to us all. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lazuki lizards these days, man, I tell you. Um, okay. She got me. Yeah, Lazuki, man. So, okay. 
talking about Ash of the Creation, we had a really good conversation last week uh, with with Half Tilt around esports and Ashes. But today we're going to talk a bit more about the artisan professions. This is something that we we do come back to and talk about regularly. Although I think today we're probably going to have a stronger focus. I know Donver specifically has a you know, in fairness, Donver is always every time I'm live and we're chatting ashes or sometimes when we're just hanging out anyway, Donver will drop like ideas for potions in there. And it's really cool because <clears throat> I'm looking forward to the day when Quantarian Slurp, one of the ashes devs who likes to drop by from time to time and hang out. I'm looking forward to the day when Slurp is here, Donver's here, and we get a nice big community discussion around crafting. Well, actually, Skylark and plenty of other people, too. But specifically crafting, because this is something that Slurp actually helps with. So if you end up catching this episode, Quantarian, I hope that you, uh, you know, contribute. Let, let us know some of your thoughts and feedback, because... Uh, we're looking forward to it. It's really good because in regard to crafting, having Quintarian Slurp like drop by and hang out, there was that, I think it was actually after their last live stream, if I'm not mistaken, their last development live stream. I think he uh, was hanging out in chat or they were hanging out in chat and uh, they were like chilling and stuff and people were bouncing ideas back and forth about here are some things we do want to see in crafting systems. Here's things we don't want to see. These are the things that are really taxing. These are the things that make them shine. These are conversation points we're absolutely going to visit today. But the thing that was really encouraging about that conversation with, with that bouncing between the devs and community members and myself was it was very clear that we were of a very similar mind and that was a really good, refreshing thing to see coming from the devs because this is stuff we haven't gotten a lot of detail about. We, we don't really have details. Everything in Alpha 1 was very rudimentary. Like it was just, it was there for people to burn time on more than anything. You know, it wasn't completely reflective of what their plans are in the future. So we're going to talk about it today. We're going to get some ideas. I might have to shoot Slurp a, a DM on Discord and go, hey, hey, listen. Do a, do a Navi be like, hey, you need to listen in. We had some ideas. We'd love to know what you think. I, I might have to do that. So shout, that's a reference to a pre, pre-podcast discussion. That's why Donver's probably a little bit uh, giggles there. Okay. We'll quickly outline, as we've talked about previously, the current artisan classes as they're planned. And we'll do some reflecting on that. We'll, you know, navigate through. We'll make sure that we talk about alchemy specifically just for the sake of time, because who knows? It could be a longer conversation. I know I certainly have a lot of specific thoughts around that one. Um, It's probably one of several that I tend to focus on with my main or close to main, you know, alt main characters in MMORPGs, which I'm trying not to do that. Nashes, stick to one sim. You need to have a life outside of games. It's something I'm trying to encourage myself to maintain in terms of self-talk. But quick review. Okay. So gathering professions. Currently, and I will encourage you all to join us over on Artisan Classes on Ashes HQ if you need to. All right. Here it is. Right here. You're welcome. As they are planned, gathering professions include fishing, herbalism, lumberjacking, mining and taming now as we're going through this i want everybody listening watching or even you gentlemen to kind of like go what feels out of place not quite where maybe it should be missing because that's going to be a point here shortly processing includes animal husbandry and smelting okay 
Crafting professions include alchemy, armor smithing, blacksmithing, carpentry, cooking, jewel crafting, scribing, shipbuilding, siege weapons, and weaponsmithing. Okay, that's a lot for crafting alone. So any of these specifically that you you two feel like it fits well together, doesn't feel like it's in the right place, maybe one artisan class that you could conceive of could exist that you just don't see there. No particular order. Like for me, it's like the one thing that I'm curious about is just kind of getting a final list of professions, like all three areas, because one thing that I have noticed is that, and I'm curious about mm -hmm. is, is each profession going to have like a progression, like a linkage back to gathering, a linkage back to processing, and a linkage back to ultimate crafting or what I call production, but mm -hmm. that like that end state where you're you're creating a product. Um, and I also want to understand, and, and we'll probably discuss it here, is what kind of crossover are we going to get? I mean, are you know, armor smiths going to need alchemists, right? Um, you know, or um, are weaponsmiths going to need, you know, lumberjacks and whatever? Like, I guess there should be, I guess, a logging profession somehow, like uh, in terms of refining, like a carpentry maybe in processing, I would see, um, you know, smelting, we've got something. I'm not sure what the interim would be like processing, um, you know, for taming. Maybe it's maybe it's training. I don't know. Uh, but those are the kind of things where I just really want to see the interactivity. And that's what I'm I'm not necessarily seeing now because we're only getting bits and pieces is how things all tie. Like one of the things that I actually um, liked about New World, you know, OK, everybody, you know, calm down. It's okay. <laughs> what I like about New World, because I usually rant about it. Yeah. What I like about New Pitch World is the torches. fact that you had all sorts of like crossover and the um like somebody early on made an infographic and you were able to see like all the different ties, right? And in that sense, it made you kind of make a choice on what you wanted to pursue because you couldn't couldn't pursue all avenues. So it did feel very similarly to um what i think ashes might be now granted there there was still like some things that were just carry over from prior mmos it was literally like a, a click mm -hmm. game okay you click you wait a few seconds and then you're yeah. good um but there was still some level of interactivity between professions that i liked um but yeah i would say those that's kind of my thoughts right now on kind of this this first discussion point mm, yeah what about you donver uh so about what's missing currently you actually have something missing on the ashes hq and that'd be farming <laughs> okay continue uh second i honestly think there has to be a middle way point for wood uh lumberjacking and carpentry mm. uh when i think of carpentry i think of making a bow shaft but i think that carpentry should be in the processing area honestly i think they should add fletching which is the creation of arrows and bows uh into the crafting area okay i can see carpentry also secondarying as something similar to 
building crafting, but I couldn't really go further into that because mm. I don't exactly we don't exactly have all the information on how building in Ashes is going to work. Right. Yeah, I think the system that we've so far like, I mean, if we were to like reflect on Arcage, for example, I mean that's. You know, that's where Steven's part of his references are coming from, and that's definitely been the way he's described it. But I'm hoping it's not quite as uh, basic as that, I guess. I mean, we saw some of it through their Alpha One dev streams as well, related to like some of the, you know, was it like blacksmithing? And you had to do that in towns in Alpha One. You had to go to like specific uh, shops or uh, buildings that are in like towns and like just contribute resources. Um, I yeah. think, I think I'd prefer it to be instead of just a resource dump like maybe you got to actually take your lumber jack you know and actually get specific wood made through them versus it just being like raw wood materials that you dump in there or like raw like yeah. ingot specifically instead maybe you've actually got to make the frames or something um that sort of stuff yeah another thing i see on here in the crafting professions that mm. kind of uh they kind of have parts that you'd assume would go hand in hand with other uh crafting professions uh that is shipbuilding and siege weapons yeah it interests me with shipbuilding and siege weapons because you have hints of carpentry in there but you also have potential for hints of uh metalworking which i can't really describe as armor smithing or weapon smithing so it'd be falling under the blacksmithing which is interesting to think of your perspective on this because would blacksmithing and carpentry not be the creation of like bows and arrows right. and like ingots or stuff or would blacksmithing and carpentry more be the creation of said frames or creation of yeah. nuts and bolts or the yeah. uh creation of these items yeah so i think i think on that point like i think that's a really good reference point and this i think it depends on what kind of frame right so maybe you could have a frame that's like just done via wood if it's just a wood frame but if it's something that requires something more that has to be done via metal etc um then i could see it potentially being in both but you know what actually which one really gets me the most on here <laughs> it's i'm used to there being like leather working for doing leather armor and then having or having clothing be your leather working slash you know clothing kind of in one you see that with uh, with the elder scrolls online although to be fair i, I kind of would prefer that that was just separate if it was me um so it it's interesting because i see armor smithing right and that one yeah. has always just felt a little strange because I'm like, so is that where we're going to have leather and cloth armor as well? Then, you know what I mean? Like that, that's one of the ones that just stands out. And I'm just like, that doesn't feel like that really yeah. vibes for me so much. Mm. It's and the you've got absence a secondary, of. Mm. Sorry. No, no, go you've ahead. got another secondary point. There is where do you get the hides from in what tree? Would you get it from the animals you read from in the animal husbandry mm. is that specifically set because they also did say in their a couple live streams ago i think yeah. the last one that uh kind of 
what you'd use that skill for would be something similar to livestock, mounts, and right. other different professions like that. That kind of are sub-tiers to that class, you could say metaphorically. Mm -hmm. Or would it be purely in the taming skill that you'd have to tame and then, you know, get the hides from? Or would it be something similar like an Albion Online? All leather comes from something you kill rather than something you create. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we had so it's interesting because you mentioned farming's not on here. Right. Which what was when we lost. I think the last, it, it is. And it's also come up as being one since this was actually added. So good catch on that. But this does make me wonder because I think of farming and I'm like, are we going to see something similar to that? maybe related to like freeholds and stuff to where it's like you've got cattle and maybe you produce, you know, like sheep wool or like, you know, maybe you, maybe some of them get put down and you, you know, you take the hide. I mean, would that be more like of a, you know, since animal husbandry is about the breeding and stuff, would that be like there or like, do we, you know, where do you sort of draw the line between all of these different pathways and like where, what could be. And I mean, certainly processing is a little you know, even with even with farming right on there, it's like three, man. And I, I could see there being more processing and certainly hide collecting or wool collecting. I mean, I could see that as being somewhere in like that that domain. Yeah, almost um, like skinning. Yeah. Maybe. And then one thing, too, that I thought of as you guys were talking is like a precursor to cooking. You could have butchery too, right? True. And you so could have like, point. and that could be processing of any like meat or fish um, mm -hmm. that you get uh, as well, right? And, and preparing that. Um, and and as far as like uh, farming too, I'm just thinking like, okay, well, how would you specialize in farming? Would it be like in certain types of crops? You know, would it be you know something like or again because livestock kind of came up when we were talking about animal husbandry but is there is that tree maybe something that is also related to like kind of like a, a farming like set of farming professions mm, yeah. or is it like mutually exclusive to that like animal husbandry path yeah. as well so i think that's kind of maybe something too and one thing i don't see here um that i'm thinking of is like some sort of i guess you have scribing right but is right. there maybe a processing profession to get herbs into like inks that you use um and one other that i think is missing from the crafting professions because i thought it was mentioned but i don't remember exactly when but it's definitely been talked about it's some sort of enchanting enchanting yes. profession yeah um and I think that again, right? You, I could see crossover there with that, um, with like you know maybe jewel crafting or scribing or something of that nature, right? Maybe mm -hmm. that's kind of incorporated there. Yeah. Um, Enchanting one, one, is an interesting. Sorry, go ahead. One thing that I will say too. I mean, I know we there's been a lot of talk about influence of lineage, but also you know potentially archage too, uh, and and one thing that I really hope that doesn't happen is we don't have that really, really painful labor system. Oh God! Where you can, as like as a as like an artificial time gate. I mean, I'm no. not expecting that's going to be the case, 
but that's kind of some of the other oh, things I'm that so might be jumping it. ahead. Oh, yeah, so I, I, I like Never. hated that so much. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Energy systems and time gates really grind my gears. Right. It's something that I don't like in the slightest. A lot of games turn me off by time gating things. Having yeah. something you can only do like once a day. Yeah. It makes sense if they can explain it. And, you know, a reason that's just not, we don't want you doing this, you know, for extended periods of time. But mm -hmm. when it comes to crafting, I feel like, especially since Steven has said that uh, crafting is, where's that Discord post? Here it is. Crafting is a large part of this world and uh, getting the marketplace to where it needs to be is mm. also a big part of this world. Absolutely. So mm -hmm. time gating crafting would be hindering the process by a lot when it's a large part of the world that you need, per se, you need your weapons, you need your gear. Let's say one of those big city raids are happening and your your entire guild is on their time gate and you're not nearly close enough to finish all those weapons. Yeah. Or armors or potions. Yeah, I think within reason, right? Like, because I could understand, like, for example, World of Warcraft, right? Like, it's a, it's a good example because, like, sometimes you're sitting there hammering away on something well, if that, like, component you're hammering away at, like, it makes sense that, like, it's not a insta-cast. Because, like, I hated when you could just, like, one hammer stroke. It's like, boom, you got an ingot. I'm like, Dude, really, though? Like, I can understand there being, like, some sort of time or, like, a progress bar to craft specific things. And I could yeah, understand. Yeah, and I can understand if, like, you're, you've got, like, a ton of things you're trying to craft in a day. And, like, it's going to take you a while because that's a lot of stuff. But like a labor system or going once a day, like, come on, man. An energy yeah. Bar. Yeah. And that's that's another part that kind of you can. It brings the potential to dip in to pay to speed up, exactly. which is where the rabbit hole starts going mm -hmm. down. Yeah. And yeah. it's something that. You can kind of tell right off the bat if an MMO is going to go down that rabbit hole is when they start getting those pay to speed up processes or pay for convenience things. Uh, yeah. We know Ashes is hard set on the no, but yes. why it's even more important. Like, you know, yeah. And you know what thought I had about that once a day BS that I saw? And I saw that a lot in like World of Warcraft. That feels like dailies, by the way. It just feels like a reason that, to, you know, the wrong kind of reason to get someone on every day to do something as opposed to what I think, in my humble opinion, people should be the reason people come on to get online, which is I want to go hang out with my friends. I want to go explore the world. I can't I can't wait to go do A, B or C because I'm looking forward to this element of the world or the content as opposed to I have to get on because I have to. And if I don't, I'm missing out somehow. It's that's uh, it's that benefit versus detriment thing because with dailies and wow it feels like you're being detrimented by, by not getting on and getting a daily yeah. stud yep. rather than it benefiting you absolutely and the wow's uh the wow dailies you have this scale and the detriment is way outlasting the benefit here 
The detriment to not get on is more than enough motivation. Absolutely. When I know that I don't have that, that's like a big reason for me to get on. I'm like, oh, awesome. I can get on and do whatever I want today, even if it's tough. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I for a oh, no, job. Yeah, oh, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, like you're absolutely right. You, you, you and I are on definitely on the same page. Well, the yeah, three of true. us are right, and it it just feels like. And I know there was some mention of something like that in Ashes, just for like maybe these super rare things. And I guess it's okay if you've got like a super rare or legendary material that you can't make it very often, right? Because you. You don't want to overpopulate the world with, you know, the the Oprah style of legendaries, but you yeah. still oh, you still need something there to, you know, to make something rare without it being arbitrary. And I think that's probably my biggest issue with when we're talking about like that daily grind of like converting something to get like a, a rare material. It just becomes like, okay, well, my my first thing when I get on is I have to do this conversion. And if I don't do this conversion, then I'm running behind and I won't have enough of X, Y, Z material to make something really nice. So, um, and, and, and I would, I would definitely advise against that. I hope, mm. as I mentioned that it isn't like in the rarity um, and, and that we do, we do have like more thoughtful ways to engage players in terms of how they produce materials of, you know, varying rarities, right? Maybe it's, you know, rare materials, you know, maybe it's materials that only spawn in certain times of year in terms of the seasons or something, right? At least there's there's creative ways to time gate if you really truly need to time gate on those, I would say beyond the basics, right? Or at least beyond like the ones that are generally standard. Right. You want something like super rare. You you want it to be a process, um, so that people who are truly dedicated can and push towards that right. and achieve that without it being like again like something that you just have to grind mm-hmm. on a daily basis in a repetitive task to do. Yeah, like it was really go- going to Denver. Oh, sorry. Good. Uh, regarding those legendary items, uh, with the current uh, system uh, on how Ashes currently has portrayed it to us and what's on, currently on the wiki, mm-hmm. is that they currently are exclusive to world bosses, legendary world bosses, which doesn't, which is a time gate that I'm okay with because. It's not something that you have to log on every day for. It's something that yeah. when the opportunity arises, you have this big momentous chance. And there's a chance that this opportunity arises again in the future, too. And it interests me with how they have it currently portrayed having you know, legendary items or crafting materials drop from uh, these you know, legendary creatures. Right. Yeah, I agree. But what it what it interests me is is that uh, there was a uh, quote here from someone. It was a live. It was the May seventh, fifteenth, uh, twenty seventeen live stream that there are absolutely legendary items and that they're not obtained easily. Uh, and there are certain ones of these that there will only be one that exists on any given server at any yep. given time. Right. 
And that that's something that interests me with, to think about. Because uh, they also say later on, uh, quote, from the live stream July 9th, 2018, mm-hmm. that legendary items are not intended to be temporary, with a notable exception being the royal mounts. Right. Which is just something to you know think about because royal mounts are semi time gated as well with you have to be like was it the governmental figure of uh right. the big stronghold thing yeah mayor you have the yeah. mayors and Royal then you've got people. yeah castle castle owners essentially yeah. or the yeah and royalty moving on to the main main point here is that uh how the node system works could also be a good way of doing time gating correctly by rather than time gating based on uh, the, like Dayla said, weather, uh, the climates that have changed due to uh, events that have happened in that node. Yeah. Let's say uh, you have a large, uh, Let's go off of an economic node and let's say a giant band of bandits and a giant event of bandits show up. And let's say those bandits were attacking an NPC merchant uh, caravan. And the benefit of beating these bandits could be, you know, they give you something legendary. Something the merchants may have been transporting exactly. from a treasury, or and they might feel, you know, indebted to you at that point and give you all something. And that's something that also explain RNG is that the merchants might not have what you need. So it makes sense that you'd get a random dropped kind of processed item or material at right. that point in time. Yeah, you know, with them saying that legendary items aren't intended to be temporary, right? And when we think about the fact that legendary items aren't planned to be temporary, it it makes me wonder, right? Now, this is one of the things with legendaries. Like, you don't want to feel SOL because you're you're working hard and putting in the merit to achieve gaining a legendary fair enough that it's going to, you know, not be a guarantee, right? You're going to have to work hard. And if you work hard long enough, eventually you might get what you need to, to, to put one together, to, to have it right outright, whatever the case might be. But when you think about there being only, only one of that. So what happens then, right? Like we, I know that they've talked about this too, you know, talking about decay and time and eventually getting recycled, like a player maybe has one, you know, and they aren't playing anymore. Like, what's their method going to be? Now, I know this isn't something that we're going to have like a we are going to have a perfect answer on this now because of where the game's at in development. We haven't even seen their full, you know, uh, rudimentary plan for this yet. We've only got the little breadcrumbs crumbs right now. Um, but I think it's an interesting topic to revisit since you brought it up, Donver, because we haven't talked about it in a while. And this is one of those things that I think it's important. Like, like you said, the Oprah, the Oprah perspective, everybody getting one, like you see in world of Warcraft yeah. these days, like that's no, I liked the old school perspective. Like when you get the hand of rag, 
in World of Warcraft, like that was not a guarantee that you would get the thing you needed. Trust me, I know. I got it randomly on a warrior alt, got pissed off and mad as hell because I've been grinding it on my damn main for so long, still hadn't dropped. But, you know, but, but it's part of the process, isn't it? Oh, no. And this is how the alt problem begins for Sim. But back to my point. If you get one and it exists, I like the idea that there could be different ones. And so maybe one of each different one can exist. What do we think is the fairest way to ensure that a, a legendary that's not being utilized by a player gets recycled back into maybe the pool? Or do you have a better idea about legendaries and how they should even exist in the game in general? I mean, I think it would be good if you get a legendary component potentially you can't use. I mean, I, I guess one thing is to like kickstart the economy is just have it available. It's not like something that's ever bound, right? So you could potentially sell Great. it. Um, I mean, I or or convert it into a significant amount of raw materials that you might be able to use for a legendary in the future, but you need to refine this component for your particular class. Um, so there, there's there's a few ways you can do it. I mean, like, I, I get very, like, nervous as we get into, like, I, I could totally see RNG from maybe a rare or fine perspective. I I get a little antsy when we start, like, potentially translating that into, like, crafting itself. So I do feel yeah. like if you do get lucky enough to get the drop and it isn't for your particular build, what have you, right? is you have some options that it's not like, you know, something you get and it's like going to sit and rot in your inventory or you just have to, you know, destroy it or something. Like right? it's got to there's got to be something there that at least gives you like a decent amount of materials or at least gives you an opportunity to sell it because then that what that does is that that encourages interactions with the broader player base. Um as opposed to you like kicking rocks down the path and, you know, wishing you your rng was better yeah. yeah and something that uh at least is important to me is a uh a quote from steven in the discord that happened uh right after the may 5th uh, 2017 live stream was that uh someone asked if uh, crafting in orange, uh, crafting in ashes was going to have RNG aspects, uh, mm -hmm. the exact quote was: "People have been asking about RNG, and that there isn't RNG in crafting except for the enchanting class." And Stephen replied with, "Correct." So, oh shiz. What a find. I'm sorry. I'm nerding a little bit about this because I'm like, thank you. I need this in my life, man. Oh. You know what profession yeah, Daedalus yeah. isn't going to be. Uh, you're not going to be an enchanter because of RNG? <laughs> I'm like, no. But, I mean, it may, it may not be that bad, though. I don't know. Yeah. But I just, I don't like RNG. <laughs> wow. PTSD uh, me against RNG. Sorry. <laughs> the reference to this uh is on the Ashes of Creation wiki. And if you go very down to the bottom of the references, you'll see that tweet under number 40 and 41. Nice. Nice. The respective, tweet, uh, the respective uh, Discord messages. That's what we like on the show, Facts and Evidence. Yeah, man. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
talking about enchanting, right? Said that uh, enchanting services are sold to player stalls. There are two types of enchantments. Now, whether this is going to be, see, this is the thing. Is this going to be player artisan class or is this going to be specifically like player stall oriented? This is interesting because there's vertical and horizontal is what he said, right? He said there, like you said, there is an RNG in crafting, but there is a small amount of RNG in enchanting. He said over enchanting items. So we heard about this one before, right? Talking about stat blocks and things like that. So I think that's what we're talking about. But that's interesting because if it's sold at player stalls, I'm wondering how they're planning on doing this. Exactly. You know, is it like a crafted item that's utilized that you have to purchase through a stall and then you have to apply that and like, because I hear that and it kind of reminds me of something I absolutely do not like, by the way. Um, oh, God, I don't know if I want to say this. In the... Uh, uh, Arcage. You know, that whole process with how you get like your... Was it Hiram gear or whatever? And you like level it up. And you get... You know what I mean? And there's like thresholds yeah. to where it's like excessive. Like I... Oh, I hope it's not like that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I just hope it's not because then it's going to feel I like agree. dumping in into, you know, oh, thoughts. I'm just cringing a little bit on this because recently I ranted about Arc World, uh, Google, that shit. Yeah, but don't do it. No, no, I don't like no, no bad. That's bad. Yeah. I, I just hope it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, I definitely can see like there's some areas where other games like have have done well, but definitely not that one in that space no 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 because i just that was probably one of the most demotivating things and maybe there was a function of the fact that a bunch of people like you know hacked their way to getting the top tier gear very early in the game and yeah. it kind of made it a joke for everyone else but uh it was still like man this is just it's just unnecessarily not fun my professional opinion as a content creator, I'd like to refer to this as Dookie. <laughs> I was going to go there. I was going to go yeah. there. It's the worst. Just I dumping resources. Oh, God, I hate that so much. Just, it's it's like dailies and stuff. It's like that thing you get on. You just got to get on the grind and dump it away. A little hamster on a wheel. And we've got a reference for that. We're going to save it for Thursdays because it's a whole different discussion. But your thoughts, Donover? When it comes to content in games, uh, a lot of people like to look at the amount of content in a form of time. Uh, but a saying that holds mm. true to me is it's not about how much time you have. It's about what you do with it. So yeah. unless the amount of time of content you have is engaging, I don't really think you have that much time of content you have that much time of grinding which is a content mm. substitution yeah, RNG, I agree with that. In my, rng in my opinion is a hard it's hard to balance sometimes when it comes to content versus grind because you can a mm -hmm. you know change the drop rates or b change how many how change the enjoyment level like enjoy the complexity uh change the complexity 
of what you are currently grinding so you can technically grind in multiple ways. That didn't come out right. I, I, see, I think I see what you mean. To grind on is what I was trying mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, what you're gonna what you're gonna just be dumping your time and energy into. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and instead of it being like the same repetitive task, I get what you're trying to say. Exactly. Yeah, I got that too. I wanted to read a, a couple comments here from chat, so uh, I feel like they're they're pretty good one too. Like uh, Kalen's talking about, I expect the legendary items to decay time based. That's something that we visited before as well. Talking about upkeep on those, um, expecting that mythical drops from a world boss will have a special ability stat that makes it alliance worse aspect talked about that too like eggs and things of that nature that can drop as well uh with crafting being the main go-to for everyone on the server legendary mythic being a sought-after item for large organized alliances to fight for is power shift in their favor which is only temporary fair and agree with that skylark i brought up another if my father is able to uh father able is legendary do i need to worry about which processor i give it to make sure the capitalize maxing out the potential of my gatherable resources that is something that's interesting because uh, I want to touch on that. Mm-hmm. That's going to, uh, in turn, get more interaction in the community. Mm-hmm. Finding a reputable processor, not just gatherer or Great. crafter. Because if you do get one of these legendary items, and we don't know the specifics on processing, we know that crafting isn't going to be RNG. But we don't know if processing is going to work the same way. True. Because it's possible that, you know, in real blacksmithing, you can tarnish uh, you can tarnish your uh, metals mm-hmm. by you know, the wrong temperatures of heating it or smelting it. Uh, which is really interesting when you think about that there's really only smelting and animal taming in the processing tree. Because what happens if you get a legendary uh, not metal or not animal? Where do you go to process it? Or is it going to be felled under a different tree? Like like Davis was saying earlier, butching, but, uh, butchering. Yeah. Let's say you get a legendary cooking ingredient that happens to be a big hunk of animal meat. Does it just come off the animal uh, as a standard chunk of meat who's going to be you know making that into a cookable ingredient mm-hmm. it's something that when you get into the nitty-gritty of it you can poke so many holes into it but you can also find so many ways that they could just absolutely make this amazing right yeah i think that's where the uh you know we talk about master crafting specifically and we talk about like the different trees because a lot of what we've discussed i'm not gonna say all of it but a very large i'd say majority of our conversation points about what could fit where we kind of speculation theory crafting ideas bouncing around today and as we're talking about all that a lot of not everything but a lot of what we're talking about it's like well i could see this kind of fitting under this one um animal husbandry perhaps it's like well if i'm breeding these then am i breeding them for a b or c is that going to lie somewhere in one of the potential pathways that as an, you know, someone who does animal husbandry, I can master a specific tree, still do the majority of it and be good at it. But maybe one branch is specific to A, B, 
B or C? And could these be some of those branches um, that we could end up seeing? The one that still just gets to me, though, is I'm like armor smithing. I can't help but come back to this one. Right. I look at I look at that and I'm going. It just it's the one out to me when I look at it and I go, okay, shipbuilding, siege weapons. I can see that kind of being maybe in the same domain because it's large structure, right? Stuff and thing. And I can see that if you can, I can see you go to the person who makes boats and they also can make artillery. It it would make sense to me. Um, But when I look at this and I see, okay, so weaponsmithing, armor smithing, blacksmithing, I'm like. you know, that one, those three to me specifically, it's like those could all be in the same. It could just be blacksmithing. And then where's like clothing and like, you know, leather armor? Like, where is that at? Because that doesn't seem like a smithing. I don't get hung up on words here, but. Yeah, but it still doesn't appear like it's a full list. I guess that's right. working as intended, right? And right. Yeah. It's only going to release so much. And kind of the mm-hmm. way I look at it, too. Um, as I go back to what the team has said around specialization, they really want to focus on specialization. This is something I'm really a proponent of yeah. is you do need to make those higher tiers, like something that somebody really needs to achieve. You need to give them an opportunity to specialize because then that pro- provides more opportunities for variety in the crafting system and variety in the community in terms of the economy now, granted, you don't want to necessarily make like one specialization like meta versus the others. You want to be able to kind of have an even split. But I kind of see like what you're saying, um, Sim, is blacksmithing might be the starting point. It might be like your basic tier. And then maybe your next mm-hmm. tier might be like journeyman or something of that nature. And then you might have like an armor smithing and a weapon smithing tree or a siege weapon or a shipbuilding tree or what have you, right? I mean, just, it really depends on how they want to do this. Then it kind of just spiders out yeah. to a point at which you might be a weaponsmith that specializes in one-handed blades, right? And then by the time you get to that whatever, like, you know, Jedi Master level, you're making, like, you know, the long sword of Sim, right? I mean, you, you've got that. Um... You've got that opportunity to be able to make... Like make something really good. <laughs> Leave it alone. Don't don't go. There. I've got I've once once we're done with this, I've got an interesting comment on that long sort of sim and with the recipes and a uh, quote from that. What? Okay, so real quick, I don't think we need to talk about. It. Uh, you know what I'm realizing? So not only so, I want to take a moment too. Like if you are ever visiting Ashes HQ. And you see something new can be updated, please shoot it my way. Cause I'm like, this is why I love the fact we do this podcast because quite frankly, like it gives us an opportunity to revisit things and it helps me to catch stuff that maybe it's been talked about since it was, you know, a, a page or a specific, specific module on the website's been worked on. So we can actually okay. go update it. So farming's one we can add on there, but I'm also looking at like, Part of the reason I haven't branched off for specifically under gathering the the gathering page, the processing page and the crafting page and really gone into detail is because I feel almost certain that some of these things that we're seeing, for example, armor smithing, blacksmithing, weaponsmithing, that like potentially armor smithing and weaponsmithing are going to fall under blacksmithing. 
and I don't want to go and organize something that's going to have to be completely rewritten and reorganized later. I want them to give us a solid structure. But I am seeing another thing to add. So farming we can add because that's come out. Gear progression I feel like could be a useful tab as well. So I think probably that's going to be under... I don't know. It depends on where that's going to fit because enchanting is part of gear progression. There's enchantment appearance can go under that. You've got weapon progression that can go under that. Armor progression probably as well is going to work similarly. They talk about item syncs on there, which could go under progression as well. Um, if we like refer to the wiki and everything. But the thing is, we don't know enough details right now to really like iron out too much. So if you see something that is likely not to change a whole lot or is is you know you've got a good place for it shoot me a message and let me know because i got two things technically three that i need to add now which is good because i've got things to update one of them is a whole different topic um related to like treasure hunting and stuff like that but we'll talk about that another time um so anyway and the community is really good at helping to kind of keep us in track because what we i could think something goes under like maybe trade or economy or crafting and maybe it doesn't really fit there as well so you know many minds can help to keep things organized efficiently so if you ever see anything you're like hey this could be updated or missing something that could be added shoot me a message let me know always 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 beneficial um yeah. i'm hoping that what we were last talking about has moved on so moving on um did you have any other thoughts about things other than the long sword or do you actually have a specific on that yeah actually it's uh sure. it's about the recipes and yeah. uh, a couple of uh comments that have actually been made uh about the recipes uh the first one's going to come from the uh january 28th 2022 live stream uh mm. about the ability for players to create original recipes yes. that's uh it's not said to be uh present in in the game at launch right but they did say they may include it late at some point in True. the future this is what interests me about our previous topic about legendary materials and if you can incorporate legendary materials into custom and original recipes Ooh. Interesting. Because at that point, it opens up a certain level of customize uh, customizability, where how I would assume original recipes. This is coming from just speculation. Right. Possibly each material would have an attribute tied to them that would change how your kind of mm. item works. I'm wondering if a legendary item could have like an attribute that's tied to it that would be considered that item legendary or if the material itself being legendary makes it only available in legendary items. It's like hmm. thinking about if was the metal that made Excalibur rare or was Excalibur itself rare? is what i'm getting at i get you yeah so that's that's an interesting topic and it also reminds me this is not a crafting uh well technically it does tie into like the crafting idea and recipes and stuff but i think this is similar to some things we've heard them talk about 
in regard to some potential design plans or definite design plans. For example, tavern games are something that you can like someone could go find or come across something that essentially would teach them like a tavern game out of the world, bring that to a tavern and it can become a staple for the tavern. Right. So you hear that sort of topic and I can't help but not feel like this runs somewhat parallel to what you're talking about in possibility. It runs very similarly, of course, yeah. because when it comes to recipes and creating your own recipes, that begs the question, can you make your own tavern games from what's yes. available in the world? Right. Could you make your own rules for a dice game that then maybe your local node can pick up on and learn, you know, to gamble with themselves? It's we also don't know what tavern games are gonna be, like, you know, a mini game or exactly. just like, oh, you roll the dice and then poof, your right. results come up. Right. And it's Something that we just don't have a lot of information on because, of course, it's something that may be included in the future for at least the custom recipes. So I would assume if they add custom tavern games, it's also a may be included in the future. It's not a guarantee yeah. at this point, and we don't have the information for it. Same for like tavern dishes, right? Because remember the buffs provided that are unique to a tavern if you were to you know eat some tavern recipes so like these are all in that general domain of player agency yeah, yeah. like what level of player agency is going to have an impact on the uh, level of creativeness that you can have or creativity that can be utilized for you know some specific you know pattern recipe dish whatever it might be and i know some people in the community i remember that day because i remember that particular stream in January, we ended up talking about it. And I remember on one of the I can't remember if it was that day in the Ashes post show that I do after their development live stream or if it was the following couple days later when we did our Ashes Pathfinder podcast. And then we were reviewing the topics off the Q&A that existed where that was one of the questions. I can't remember if it which period it was but i know that there was definitely i recognize a sense of division between people in the community in my own chat on this subject right because some people are like well if you if you have that level of player agency in which an individual can create with maybe like you said don for a, a specific dish or recipe with the materials that exist in the world um within some level of uh you know some some level of uh of monetization from the games or whatever they outline yeah. some framework is what i'm saying of that that, that the game provides um you know x so, item and be mixed into x item exactly and maybe there's still only a limited a number of things but this if we're real talk right now uh, this is one of the things that both is very inspiring and also very like scary in some ways because of that level of complexity. We talked specifically about animal husbandry in a previous show and how that seemed like they were framing that to be very, very expansive, very complex. And one of the things specifically with Stephen, yes. And Stephen said what he said uh, that there could be no two created uh mounts or pets or whatever through animal husbandry that would look exactly the same right so then you think of that and you go 
are we talking a similar level level of customization for something like this in regard to uh, recipe creation through a player through player agency and then is that too much when you think of that for every profession slash artisan class that there is in the game is that is the scope too is it too tall in order like we said in that ashes talk is it too tall in order and does that like concern a lot of people you know and do they want it and some people are like no 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 no, no. don't do that because if you do that, then that's too much, too much agency. Um, there's going to be too many problems. It's going to have too much to manage and, and monitor and and balance and all of that. And, and other people are like, yeah, but imagine if you can do this and maybe it, it doesn't have to be too difficult for them to manage. Then you can't help but wonder about something like Unreal Engine 5, helping them with productivity. And who, who knows? I'm not a game developer, right? I just tinker. My thoughts, though. You all have thoughts on that? Future technology might also make this a lot easier on the development side. Yeah, and I've yeah. been thinking about this a bit too. I mean, there's there's ways you can um, have like perceived complexity without it really being complex from a player perspective or a right. UI perspective or what have you. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking about this as like talk like a long time ago about all the you know knobs and dials that you could you know, like you know tweak in order to um you know craft and kind of having like that similar thing and i i was thinking about animal husbandry in that sense but also looking at it in terms of like what are maybe some key things that might happen in smelting or blacksmithing that you might be able to play with you know essentially IRL right because they were bringing right. in like you know, gene splicing and all sorts of, you know, science craziness in there for the last time for animal husbandry. But what if you could say, okay, well, you know, I want to, you know, um, you know, smith something and I want to make make the temperature like on the more hot side and I want to use, and it may be instead of like, um, you know, I don't know, hammering out a certain component first, I might maybe, cool at first and then heat it up again or something like retemper it or what have you right and you have all these things you could potentially do um and they might give you an opportunity to customize what you're making Mm. right and again if if the thinking is rng is not present except in say the enchanting profession then that gives you as a player a lot of different things you can do you can add like additional components to add bonuses as a baseline you can do all sorts of things and in my opinion there's still some richness to that without it making it overly complex as you might just have okay well if there's no rng then there's a formula so if i want to maybe you know have a um a weapon that's more effective against undead or more effective against ancients right Right. i might through components through my air quotes process or maybe not even it might not even just be at the production stage it might be at the gathering and or the processing stage i can make these choices and then get this outcome now the quality of the item might not necessarily be the same depending on which artisan you have because it might be a function of okay you know daedalus has 100 points in this profession and has gotten an XYZ level, and Sim and Donver are like, you know, tiers two and three. So if I go to 
you know, Donver, I'm going to get the best possible weapon for my materials. And it's actually something somebody said that we referenced in the podcast that made me think of that. It's like, yeah, you want to be choosy. You want to network, right? That's, it's a social game, people, right? You're not going to just, you know, have all the professions all yourself, right? And max them out, which has happened in many other games. Or you might not just be dealing with your close circle of friends in your guild, right? Or in your play group. You're going to have to go out there and say, look, if I really spent time grinding this material or finding this material that's super rare and I want something really fantastic with it, it's a time investment and it's a social investment in order to be able to get the best possible weapon. So, yeah, I I can definitely see how they can inject complexity without necessarily um, making it complex to actually be in practice. Right. Yeah. And I'm trying to find the quote for uh, from it, but there was a point where uh, Steven said he was trying to prevent a specific, like, meta from erupting. Like, you know, armor smiths being, you know, the most sought after thing and everything right. else is just useless. But I'm trying to find that quote so I can actually quote it. You know... Yeah, this this brings in into you know I gotta gotta make sure we have some time to talk about this too. But like we talked about earlier, you know, we came from yesterday talking about esports and arenas and all this stuff. One of the things, let me know if you find it, Donver, too. Don't feel free to feel free to just kind of like you know interrupt me yep. if you do. Um, but one of my favorite things was utilizing potions in PvP. Like I've been a pretty big fan of that. Um, it to me. And I know in like, I think World of Warcraft specifically, I did ranked arenas and stuff. And when I would do that, um, you couldn't utilize potions in there. It was just very much like trinkets, skills. That's a, that's it, right? You could go and you could like have a bread or a mana strudel or something if you were a mage and go tuck behind a pillar and, and sit down and eat some food, you know, if you weren't in combat and like, you know, regen mana or something like that. But, you know, there was like a cost there. There was a time you to sit there and you're vulnerable in that period of time where somebody gets you you can potentially get caught off guard in that you know vulnerable situation and i'm a big proponent of using you know potions and elixirs in in pvp it, it to me is one of the it can make for very creative gameplay um especially if the if the um, elixirs and potions that are available to be crafted in a game have uh, are enough in variety you know like so it's not the typical increased weapon damage increased spell power um you know increase crit increase uh health you know get mana get get health um those types of things but when you get into some really interesting areas like invisibility potions or water walking potions you know or things like that things that just yeah speed potions are a really good one i love speed potions and world of warcraft because you know when you had like a druid or something who was just running around it was crazy fast for example warsong gulch in that game if you did that um, not arena but that battleground druids could use their speed two times i know because i got this achievement and there's a quick cap achievement and you get it there were a couple ways to do it right if you're a druid it was a gimme as long as you just didn't get basically hard CC'd, you know, or locked repeatedly. Going ahead, Donver. Back to uh, so it was uh, the May 5th, uh, 2017, okay. that uh, 
Stephen had uh, said that uh, choosing a specific path in a tree and having mm -hmm. to specialize in it uh, encourages player interdependency and uh, prohibits a creation of a meta because each kind of tree has to intermingle with intermingle with all the others. Right. That's very interesting. So when you think of that creativity, I'm going to backtrack to my example, right? The reason that something like swiftness potions were good is number one, you had to have them crafted. You had to have them on hand. And number two, like if uh, that druid wanted to get that quick, if you wanted a quick cap achievement, you needed you needed to be sped up because when you grab the flag, you couldn't mount up. When you grab the flag, you were running that thing on foot back and you had the potential players on the way. This was a great achievement. I still don't have it on my main after all the years I played. I got it on my druid like day two or one or something ridiculous. I was like, this chaps my ass because I had swiftness potions. The only way you were catching that druid was through a combination of things. Number one, you were you could mount if you weren't in combat so you could chase them across the way. But they had speed boost, man. They could get there so fast and if and if they grabbed it and they sped and they were uncontested and they used their trinket at the right time, they could take that shit back and cap it really quick, like really, really fast. It's really cool to see that that's possible. But I think that when classes don't in themselves have that in their kit, this is one of the important elements of player agency and important elements of things like crafting and artisan trees and professions, because there is some way to keep up, to counter, to catch up that can be utilized through the crafting profession. You know, the whole little narrative I started with was all about how these go hand in hand in combat. Right. And I think, you know, I mean, one of the coolest, most fun examples of how artisan professions or in Ash or in World of Warcraft, you had engineering. You could get like gliders and speed boosters. You could have like a swiftness potion, your speed booster from your little booster on your feet, the nitro boots, whatever they were called or whatever, you know, and you could shoot forward. You could still get CC'd, right? But you could, you had a way to sort of like through player agency, through artisanship, find a way to combat that particular scenario and prepare for it going into a battleground. So if you saw that that was a set of circumstances, like, okay, well, I can I can prepare for this. You know, I know that there's druids that like to do this, or I know that there's a hunter that might like to have their pet doing this or that. I'm going to take a ton of damage, and maybe some sort of, like, armor-boosting potion will help me to mitigate that damage when the hunter tries to burst me down and their pet's munching on me while they're, like, you know, using, like, uh, what's it called, like... um Rapid fire or whatever. I forget the ability, uh, but you, you know what I'm talking about. It, the hunters barrage always have barrage or something like that. They have them in every game, yeah. Um, most games, anyway. So it's it's important because to me, and I really hope to see Ashes capitalize on this. And again, it's just that we don't know whether that's going to be used in arenas. We know in open world PvP, you know, I don't see why it wouldn't be. When I think of arenas and those like instanced sort of scenarios where PvP happens, this is one of those areas where alchemy can be such a godsend in PvP. You know, yeah. to help help balance those skills, so to speak, between classes and the different dynamics. But any thoughts about any of that? 
Um, and Donver, I know you got a lot of ideas for alchemy. So I guess thoughts number I'm gonna one. Get yeah. First. So thoughts on that. And then here's what I want you both to think about and feel free to jump into after that. Okay. And it's going to be what has been a really great example of successful alchemy in a game. And then maybe what on the other side of that scale is like just been this has just made that experience not good, trivialized, and then that can be a branching discussion point to other tr- uh, professions as well. I know it's a um, lot. <laughs> I don't have any comments on on the first thing. I, I I agree with what you're trying to say, Sim. So I don't yeah. necessarily have anything that would add value. But as far as like, I I haven't found an alchemy system, and at least you know it, there may be one, but it it wasn't like wow enough for me to remember at the moment but but i can definitely tell you where you know stuff fell short and like my experience in um in world of warcraft specifically is like it it just felt like there was some relevance to like the crafting and alchemy like there were certain things that yeah okay well you had to have flasks so but then like everybody could make flasks right so again it's it goes back to that whole homogenization discussion we've had time and time again when we think about games like World of Warcraft is that every or ESO, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody can do everything, so it doesn't make crafting relevant. And it's specifically alchemy, too, because I would really love to see something that they did that they pulled back on is like some sort of specialization. I can be a potion master. I can be you know, something else, I can be a transmute master or something where, again, right, you have some sort of specialization, and then that gives you some sort of benefit. Now, granted, the benefit was like, okay, you just get more stuff, right, which is pretty generic. But I would love to see, like, as we get into, like, things like alchemy or crafting professions in general, is is that investment versus reward mm. being a little more significant, a little more relevant, to the broader world like you might need you know in your guild multiple alchemists that can do these different things right it's not everybody trying to drive to get to said one thing and that in my opinion would would make a crafting system especially alchemy pretty great and make alchemy relevant also like and i said that before but i kind of mean it in a different way saying it again it's really about you almost need alchemy in order to be effective um and it and and it make it something that is not only effective in the sense of like your day-to-day adventuring but it could also be like something that you need for a quest right and or you need a particular alchemist or a particular skill to get this in order to complete maybe a larger more epic quest like not your kind of standard quest but something where again right you're encouraging player interaction you're making crafting relevant not only in terms of just plain mm-hmm. utility but also like an ability to just keep the economy flowing and keep um crafters especially alchemists you know giving them the ability to really continually sell their wares as opposed to it being a huge like whoever races to the end in the first like you know month of the game they're making bank and then everybody else is just playing catch up. Right. You're all peasants. If you're not this person who grinded their life right, in for the right. first. Yeah. 
So when it comes to my thoughts, and uh, Dalis actually had a lot of different points that I want to expand upon, but I'll put this in a, the correct order. The first uh, aspect I would like to touch on is uh, the three types of potions and uh, different alchemies that I truly believe that uh, there should and is kind of in every game or most games. You have your basic resource potions, energy, stamina, and healing, whatever resource the game uses. And then you have utility potion. Uh, that, when I say utility, I base off the line of it does something for you in specific situations or general situations. Mm -hmm. A utility potion can be as general as your dash potion, and it's good in most situations. But there's also potions that are more for situational use, but when you need them for that situational use, you're going to know you need them for that use so you can prepare them ahead of time. That would be something like you're planning on going to a deep sea exploration of some ruins and there's a big period where you need to breathe underwater or swim faster oh yeah so more potion of water breathing you could say let's say when you get inside the ruins got a big pocket of air so you don't need an overabundance of those potions something similar to that the next point I want to brush up on was something that Dayless said about alchemy being relevant. So one way or another, all crafting to feel good needs to have relevancy in some aspect of the game, if not a general needs to be relevant everywhere. Yeah. But consumables are something that that has to be amplified on. Because with consumables, it's tough. Because it's not something you can always have on you. It's something you have to make, use, and make again. Yeah. So uh, people, when it comes to consumables, want to find the most powerful consumable and only make that. And that's something WoW did wrong absolutely only the highest tier healing potions in wow were relevant at all cso2 by the way like very specific yeah, ones yes, yeah by mm, potion good example and, but unless you find a way to make even you know healing potions relevant throughout the process so that one person who grinded all the way to the end isn't the only one making bank can be solved in something that's Albion Online uses in their crafting system, not in their potion making, sadly, but in the rest of their tools, is that you need a, in their processing, you need lower tiers of that material to make higher tiers. Nice. I think that makes sense with potion making. To make a lower, a higher tier healing potion, you need an already made lower tier healing potion. And you need to add extra ingredients and process it even further. I like that. I agree. That would give lower tier alchemists uh, a reason to sell their yeah. lower tier potions. And someone 
who was like, oh, I don't want to have to make a potion from level one and make it all the way upwards. They'll be like, you know what? I can incorporate the cost to buy the lower tier potion I'm looking for and make this higher tier potion. Yeah. And then just, you know, and that's another sense of community. Oh. The economy, man. That's how you bolster and ensure a thriving economy, too. You know, yeah. I think that's important, too. And also, you know, when you think about how many times you play an MMORPG and you're leveling where because those things, nobody cares about them anymore. It's, this is especially true when in MMORPGs where people enter the game after it's been out for X amount of time. And like now these things aren't relevant. Right. And so now they're like making these things to level up for the sake of leveling up. But they can't actually like really make any money off of it because. Yeah. So they're they're poor by the time they get up to max level and a lot of times not always but still trying to just get that profession up but it's like you know yeah it's the argument again of is it content or is it a grind yeah agreed because you could theoretically grind all those materials and make those potions and then just basically throw away those material, those potions, because you can't do anything with them later on. Yeah. And spend little money. You could buy the materials, make the potions, and throw away the potions because there's nothing you can do with them. And then you're losing money. It's a lose-lose situation in both ways, because in one point, you're gonna turn out broke by the end of it, and yeah. at the other point. You are grinding your mind out for numbing amounts of time. True story, man. Yeah. And on further with what I want to expand upon, I don't mm -hmm. like crafting in general in WoW. Crafting in WoW was yeah, the agreed. one thing that ultimately made me toss away the game entirely. And a game that I do think that potions are done right, even though you don't craft them the potions themselves are done right and that's dnd yeah. i think the yeah whole true story correct yeah because every potion has its spots whether it's for healing whether it's for the specific use there are some potions in dnd because dnd is massive right dnd you could go through that game and there's so many magic items out there that you'll find a better option mm -hmm. but situational potions, like the flying potion we got in our last campaign where we exactly. sent the dwarf up and he like i had to like you know of course this in D, &D put a pin on that point because i want to come back but yeah. he he literally used this thing and it was like it was we picked it up on our adventure um and and we had our dwarf who used it and he he like literally was floating and we were fighting a dragon we totally didn't kill dragon because we were lo little low b nothings and it was gonna he was gonna destroy us this gave us an opportunity you know to to have the 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 rogue go up the dwarf rogue went up using that and dropped rope down to me so i could tie him off to me so he didn't go too far and fly away basically and then later fall to his death but that was a great example of a utility like utility potion Anyway, yeah. sorry, I just rant on that because, like, dude, those are great opportunities for potions. Yeah, D&D &D has a lot of potions that you can find 
good uses for because D&D as a whole mm. forces you to think outside the box. Yeah. And if you can use those outside the box thinking ideas and turn them into mechanics, Absolutely. you can then fine tune them further to be absolutely fantastic ideas in games like ashes mm-hmm. because let's take one of my favorite potions the haste potion oh yeah man when you think of the haste potion what do you ultimately think it's like doing to you for, for me the- yeah well i i can't speak to dnd because i'm not that experienced in dnd but i can tell you from the games i've played the haste potions that have always been beneficial has have been and this is probably may or may not resonate with where you're going but it, it essentially like speeds cooldowns up for the most part like it makes it to where you're not having to wait as long to for another action that's basically it. exactly it gives you extra movement speed mm. it's giving you an extra action and it's you know it's basically in simulation reducing the cooldowns so you can do twice for a turn when you transfer that into a video game it's actually super simple to emulate these True, kind of yep. potions. It's yep. harder to balance them for the video game section, but over time with fine tuning, they are potions that when you think about on a D&D sense, they're perfectly balanced for that game. And once you transfer those into a, a video game, you can equate them to a more balanced form. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's why I think D&D has one of the best potion systems, even though they had the crappiest versions <laughs> for crafting them. Like, technically, the only class that crafts them is in an expansion book that's not even in the player's handbook. Oh, that's unfortunate. It's the, artisan, it's the artificer. Oh, got it, yeah. And you have to be an alchemist, artificer. Technically, there are ways of crafting potions outside of that. But they're in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Technically, players aren't supposed to look at that. So it's something right. that the DM wants to provide to you. Yeah, yeah, true. I have that book. There is I haven't read it. Yeah, I've got the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Book, and I think like the Bestiary one or the General Bestiary one. The Monster Manual, the Monster which technically... The monster manuals another weird spot because you're not you know we've gotten off topic that's okay that's a whole different discussion because there's to go in on whether you're supposed to read the monster <laughs> manual or not <laughs> right yeah. i i have not for the for the record the only thing i've even bothered to ever look at uh just because i try not to spoil the you know i don't want to spoil i want to like be surprised especially when it's my first experience of a game world or just tabletop whatever so i didn't go through that and there was like there were some creatures we came across in my the first campaign and i was like what in the hell it was like i forget what they're called but there's like these they're like these like bat mosquito looking things um those things are disgusting yeah they're disgusting and those creatures i was like oh my god and they basically pin you and suck the blood out of you and then you got like this random chance that like when you go help your party members getting like leached on by these nasty things that like if you your dice rolls suck you could hit your teammate instead of them like that's a whole level of complexity that quite frankly i was not prepared for luckily you can you could hit them pretty 
you could kill them pretty easily, but there were so many at a time. You're like, oh my god, it's warming me. Gross. The monster manual actually uh, can transfer into the next uh, idea, not idea, but uh, thought that popped into my mind was uh, Stephen's uh, comments. I think it was actually our last live streaming in February about mounts with abilities right and if they could have combat abilities i actually Mm. don't remember what he said and i don't have a reliable source so i'm not state anything but that got me thinking about combat pets and what exactly the animal husbandry can do because i believe he was Erring on the side that certain breeds could have uh, potential abilities. Right. Which you would be thinking that, let's say, you instead of turning that into a mount, you turned it into a pet. Could you, in theory, have a combat pet? And how would that, like, how would the community think about that whole situation? I, I would like to actually, like, it's very controversial at times because it's like, why were hunters so powerful? Because they had a pet that did all the damage. And that's why they were so meta in most DPS situations is because they had some utility like that. When you think about giving that to every class, it kind of negates some of the, uh, like, you could remedy not having a certain class by having a combat pet, which is why I, I personally ultimately think that combat pets are something that should be steered away from. Mm. Yeah, and we know well, that. Well, I mean, I think you can in. balance it by making whatever the effect is incremental, right? Versus a group. Yeah. I mean, you, Very the one thing that I would say WoW did wrong out of like the list that I kind of have mentally in my head every time I think oh, about the game, uh, was it's, it's was the fact... Yeah, exactly, right? It's definitely a compendium. But one of the things they did wrong in terms of, like, you know, balancing mm. from a hunter perspective is you literally... And you, do, you could do that with pet classes like Warlocks, too, is you could literally replace a class, like a tank, with a pet. Exactly. And that, that's something mm-hmm. that I, I would say, again, it's got to be a balance. If you are going to have an ability to do like any type of combat pet or if part of your class kit has a pet as a component. Right. Obviously, summoner is one right that I can think of off the top of my head. But, you know, exactly. Or summoner, summoner X yeah. or you know X summoner, you're going to have like leveling variations of what you can do with a pet that's part of your class kit. You you need to kind of have a sliding scale here. You obviously the pure classes are gonna maybe have the more powerful versions, and then you're gonna have yeah. an intermediary one, which might be like um, instead of like a summoner summoner, it could be like a summoner bard or whatever, right? And then you're gonna have the combat pets, which are like incremental. They might still be important enough where they're relevant, but they're not gonna mm-hmm. necessarily be. Uh, you know, the equivalent of, you know, being a full-blown summoner summoner, right? And, you know, dropping some knowledge on somebody. So that's, I guess, the way I would look at it. I'm not necessarily opposed to combat pets. If there's enough thought um, done in the design stage 
to know what that spectrum needs to be. And it's not going to be right the first time they do it. Obviously, that's what testing is for. But getting it so you, your levers are kind of there to be able to tweak that so it doesn't become like like you were saying, Donver, which I agree is a total danger, um, that it doesn't become, that classes become irrelevant because there's a combat pattern. Right. Exactly. And that's one of the traits, too, that I want to read here. So to, to your point, Donver, I think maybe this is what you were remembering. Shout out to uh, Skylark. Uh, for helping out with the outlines is what I appreciate the community contribution for. Um, this was one of the points that he was talking about in regard to taming. And he said, there will be multitude of traits that are related to the appearance, performance, combat efficacy that breeders can bring forward in a particular amount or pet. No two creatures. And this is kind of piggybacking off of what I also mentioned earlier. No two creatures will be the exact same. There will be a stat block example, speed, endurance and ability systems. You can breed creatures and study the offspring to make informed decisions when the features you want to pursue in the next generation become apparent in the offspring you have created. And that's a whole different ballgame than like ARC's breeding system because very much the abilities of the creatures in ARC, like I got a T-Rex and a T-Rex, their abilities are the same. The stat blocks for those creatures specifically are what you would monitor in breeding to look for where you want to boost the gains and, and sort of like those levers in terms of breeding uh, for, for the, you know, blocks for the stats, etc. And that is what scares me about a breeding system that has combat advantage rather than just mounts or, mm -hmm. you know, let's say livestock advantage is that you could theoretically make a super tanky pet or mounts. Let's say for this instance, it's going to be a, a pet. You could just throw that pet out there and that thing can tank for you. Right. Yes. And tanks are already scarce in most games. Everyone's played DPS. It's Healers, I feel, have been getting a lot more popular right. with the whole, you know, don't piss off your healer meme. Yeah, right. It's true, though, man. So, Most games don't. Every MMORPG I jump into at this time, this isn't all of them, but this is the ones I, I jump in ESO. What are you usually waiting for? Tank. Jump in World of Warcraft. What are you usually waiting for? Tank. Jump in freaking Final Fantasy 14. What are you usually waiting for? A tank. Like like clockwork, right? Now, healers are maybe rare, but not compared to a tank. And um, a lot yes. less rare now. Right. And I wanted to say something else, too. So, uh, I completely agree on the tank topic because I do think make tanks great again, man. We, we, uh, the, the MMORPG genre really does need more capable tanks. It's a, it's a real talk. Really? They do uh, DPS. There, there's tons of people that do DPS. Now summoners are the class that will be capable of helping to bridge the gap in party makeup. For example, you run a little low on a tank, you run a little low on a healer or DPS, a summoner will be able to help to bridge that gap, right? But I don't ever think that a combat pet or a class's pet of any kind should do a full role duty. Supplemental, I'm okay with pets and combat pets and all that being supplemental with the caveat that I think a summoner 
A summoned creature is different than a combat pet. So I can understand a summoned pet being a little more powerful because in Ashes specifically, the, uh, the, the, the player is responsible for utilizing that, that summon effectively in order to be a productive or a more productive player, a uh, contributor, right? So skills there. But I totally agree with and you on still, that. And you still have to find someone to that is a summoner. In contrast, technically anyone can pick up the taming or animal husbandry. Because even if they're not specialized in it, anyone can dabble at the lower levels. Who knows if, you know, those lower levels are good enough to be, you know, make a tank combat pet. But right. it's something to think about. Obviously, nothing to dwell on, but it is when you have when you have a lack of a class, it makes the people who actually do play that class feel kind of like you know when they're found, they're found. But if you can have something that is universal that can replace that class, it makes those people who do want to play that class feel really bad. Which is That's why I true. really hope to balance this in a way that they can do it. So, yeah, you can supplement a tank if you don't have one. But it, we don't want it to become where it's just more beneficial for a summoner to summon a tank. Right. Or a combat pet to just be universally better. Because yes. you'll always have someone who has that really high animal husbandry who's going to be like, oh, yeah, I got my tank. You know, oh, you're a king? We got a better yeah. tank. It's NPC. Yeah, you, I think I think it's okay if like you can you have a summon creature, whether you're a summoner or combat pets, I don't believe are ever gonna be able to tank. Whereas summoned summoners summons, but you gotta think summoner plus their combinations. So that's like that's eight specific classes from that archetype. I don't think even though you can fill that gap as a summoner. I don't think you should ever be able like get by with as an off tank or something. Sure. Like yeah. get by and, and probably have to be like really skilled to pull that off. Sure. But not like easy peasy go to second tank. No, no way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how I hope it continues to stay because you can't make those people just, feel irrelevant yeah. outright. Just, trivialize them. Yeah. Yeah. Trivializing something. Most people, when they think of trivializing something, they think of nerfing them into the ground, making it so that they're no longer viable. But there's also the trivializing of making something that's just better. Yeah. And that is True. designed for a different purpose, but is better than that person at a at the purpose at that per- person who specialized is uh, can't speak. I know what you mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't want to make it to where like this thing is like you can beef it up so good they're just like, well, there's no point in me being here, especially when you know how long it's gonna take for that person to level up. This is what happened yeah, to the exactly. Wow Paladin for me, right? It was Dang, like hard to level. You don't. Who cares? They don't. Nobody cares about a person. Uh, you know what I mean. And you know what else I miss from that game specifically? I used to love the reagents, man. That you would actually have to utilize for certain spells. So, utilizing all the, getting back on the topic of like, 
you know, animal husbandry is definitely, you know, it's, we're not stretching too far here when we're talking about this because this is absolutely a part of animal husbandry. And, and we're talking about the comparison between a combat pet and effectiveness of some creature versus a summoner and like balancing all that. But getting back to talking yeah. about that overall, like materials in the world and the crafting system and artisanship, like I used to love the fact that you could get a like light feather or like, you know, fish oil or whatever it was. It's like gray crappy item. And, and like, it was, it was unfortunate when they got rid of like the usefulness of those items. Right. Another example of something you could sell and make money off of after you collected enough of them. Cause people yeah. needed them for their specific spells, like a reagent on hand. And then they got rid of all of that. And I think that's, it's awesome when you take these like small little bits and pieces that are come from different creatures and you're like, these are never useless. They're useful, you know? And, and even if it is just creating that potion that maybe that level 15 can sell because that level 50 could take that as one of the base ingredients. They don't want to have to yeah. craft to work on, you know, using their upper, their higher end materials that they usually utilize. And like, buy this off of the, the lobies that are selling their stuff. Exactly. And it makes it so lower level crafting is never irrelevant. It might not be the most relevant. It might only be relevant in selling to craft that higher stuff. It might not be usable by you know the higher level people. But those higher level people are still looking for them. Agreed. And yeah, and there was a comment in chat too about summoner pets going to be the primary DPS or just a bonus. And here's the thing. If they stick to what Steven said, which is it's dependent on it's going to require skill to play a summoner. This isn't like a lower level skilled archetype, right? When you get that summoner, you're going to be responsible for your summon, which means you've got to carry out its function. So that means you're you're worrying about yourself situational awareness all of your own resources etc and your skills are essentially controlling this summoned creature so now you've got the balancing act of you and them and that combined is the damage right so someone who could be a number one dps of the summoner i don't think it should be because they're a summoner it should be because they are a really skilled summoner and they've mastered a a archetype that requires a higher level of skill as a player to yeah. function well i think yeah. you could say that for all the archetypes right fair I mean, you yeah. shouldn't just have an i win button no <laughs> yeah absolutely right. not and i think that that's another like problem i've seen on the mmos yeah. you just have that meta that doesn't necessarily change i mean it might get tweaked and yeah. so on and maybe not be as much of a meta but it's still a meta right so it's, yeah i think that makes right. sense there's always something that's just mechanically the best for some reason. Right. Nothing, no one's really gone outside of just yeah. trying to fix that issue sometimes. Yeah. And when it comes to summoners, they were most, it seems like with how summoners are acting in this game, it's a micromanage. Uh, right. Kind of Agreed. Well, in most games, summoner is a macro manage kind of class where you're, instead of right. focusing on what your summon is doing, you're just summoning things, which this is what I really like about yeah. how Ashes is going with the summoner is that instead of making it a generic 
macro manage, send this out, then send this out, and then send this out, and then do it all over again. You actually have to micromanage your summit. Yeah, and and you know, Daedalus was also saying is like when we talk about the archetypes and the classes, like I get a rock, paper, scissors system. And I get it, I do. Um, but it's like it, there's nothing worse for a class. And this is the same for artisan classes. And, and I also want to I also want to piggyback off of these class dynamics and say also for Mariner classes. Like, I think it's important if you have a class or any any specialization that a player can choose to engage in, whether it be their class, primary archetype classes that are follow as a result of augmentation. You know, when you're talking about Mariner classes, when you're talking about artisan classes, I think the most important thing is really just, I can't stress this enough from my perspective, how important it is that you don't make one seem pointless because of another or all of the others, give them all their strengths and weaknesses so that like, you know, where one is strong and another's weak, the others, the one that's weak in that area has a strength to contribute to help balance the other. I know that, you know, de- development, combat development, all that stuff, this is the end game for developers is the balancing act of all those different things. But this was the thing that, I mean, it killed a lot of classes. How many times have you gotten to an MMORPG and you go to play, whether it's because of artisanship or because of your primary class or your just class in general, where you were like, um yeah they don't really want me or this is kind of not useful to me because uh there's something else that's better and it's going to require me a ton of work to get there but also more importantly maybe this is what i'm passionate about and i want to play and it's not useful if i want to play this way it's an option in your game shouldn't it be useful yeah meaningful absolutely i mean it all goes back to design thought and one thing i will say and something you said donver that kind of triggered me a bit one of the reasons why i don't play pet classes in most games is i literally lose my mind when i have to micromanage a pet i don't want to be able to do that <laughs> or like buff some people don't like that like we have to manage a buff do you have to keep the buffs up in order to be that effective I, actually that i don't mind really right, right, right. I mean, it's yeah i I mean, granted, let, let, me, let me qualify that. I don't want to manage a buff every five minutes. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Blizzard, every five minutes. Okay, they fixed that now. Then it was, then it was like, we're get, are we going to have buffs? Are we not going to have buffs? Make up, make a decision. Make your right? mind up, man. Exactly. But like in terms of like, I, I hope that summoners, because I do want to play a summoner at some point, right? Absolutely. Obviously, leveling is going to be hard, right? That's the intent. So I'm not going to have like 21 alts like I have in City of Heroes, uh, Homecoming. But 21 I, now. I, 21, yeah. 21. Bro, I thought was it 20? Was it 20 last night? It was night? 20, but then it became 21. Oh my god, dude! You can't stop. You I got a problem. Stop. You've got a I problem. I have 100 Ooh. slots, man. It's like it's falling to me. Soon, soon I will max out 100 of <laughs> every possible. Oh my option. gosh. But anyway, back, back to top. <laughs> Back to topic. Yes, I, I I do hope that um, you know there is some thought behind not making summoning or any pet option like in terms of like class kit option, not combat pet. Yeah, I don't want it to be micromanaging because that's going to turn me off as a player, and and 
I, I want there to be skill involved, right? It's like, am I making the right choices at the right time type of thing versus, okay, I need to look at my hot bar and like have to, you know, make sure I hit things in a certain sequence at a certain time. It's, it's more about being dynamic versus making sure I hit that, um, that rotation like spot on. Cause yeah. I would prefer that, that the combat and, and I don't know how, where they are in this thinking and, um, in intrepid but i don't want it to always be a rotation thing where no. you, if, if i hit everything in this sequence then i will do dps i literally hate that it drives me when that's the, the only way right when that's the only way especially that i hate because it's like yeah. you have to follow because that is cookie cutter to me that is cookie yeah, cutter and I can't stand it. I want it. the choices to be situational. I want I I want to not have to like, you know, uh always have to do the same sequence cuz oh, frankly, god, that's so boring. That's what's held me back in a lot of games because it's like, okay, I I try to learn the sequence, I maybe get it down to a point and then you know, like games like wow, they change it the next time, right? Oh. Because they're, you know, it's time to reinvent the class again, guys. We have a new expansion. They get that um, game in a good place, and then they can't leave it alone. They got to do no, something no, else. They, to... they got to keep oh, tinkering. God. They got to keep It's okay. like, y'all make one... that money? Oh, my gosh. Let's make it easier we gotta for everybody. We got to keep people too. guessing, right? But Jeez, anyway, um, but yeah, you. I want it to be dynamic. I want it to be situational. I want there to be risk and reward, right? Do I hit this spell at this time, even though it's not part of my air quotes rotation. And is it going to give me the leg up in the fight that I'm doing? Right. Or is it going to like, did I just maybe wait just a little too long and now it becomes a, an issue. Right. It, it just, I just like it to be like more uh, situational awareness based than did I hit, you know, buttons one, two, three, four in the proper sequence at the proper timing like as a general rule every time all the time yeah you know that actually uh brings me back uh the D, D again where a combat where a combat perspective comes in again because it's like that in D, &D actually you, there's never one situation where one action's all well that's not true fighters <laughs> are that way but when it comes to spell casting, there's never one situation where one spell is always the best option, unless you're a warlock. But I digress. When it comes in D and D, uh, you have to think about your surroundings, and you also have to think about the enemy you're attacking. Let's say a zombie, for instance. Uh, there's a lot of things that are good on a zombie in D and D: radiant yeah. damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fire damage, I think, too, right? Fire, not in not in 5e, sadly. They actually have resistance mm. to fire in 5e. Do they really? Which is weird. Yeah. Oh, I'm, th I'm probably thinking more of like a sacred type of fire, though. So it's actually more of like a holy thing instead of a specific oh, fire. fire is a cantrip that does radiant damage. Yeah, that's fair. I was thinking uh, of like but, sacred flame. Is that one cat because that's under a cantrip. Sacred flame is, yeah, cantrip. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But again, I digress. Yeah. Uh, against zombies, there's a couple of good things you could use. You could drown them, oh, which fine. is something that you think outside the box by using, like, you know, create water. Drown them. 
Because zombies in D&D, for some reason, still need oxygen. How weird is that? That is strange. That blows my mind that that's even a thing. In D- okay, this is a whole different topic, but yeah, f- fair. It, I feel like there's going to be an upcoming discussion where we're talking about D&D or Pathfinder's influence on Ashes and what really good takeaway was, would be. And I also feel like in that discussion, that's also one where like since Steven's bringing this to, you know, this is coming from his Pathfinder campaign. Um, there might be some conversations where we say, why isn't something like blank going to be in ashes when it could be done as evidenced by yeah. other games or things that maybe would work similarly that, or even systems that already exist that could be just adapted in ashes. Right. So there's definitely some discussion points on that. Um, when it comes yeah. to more situational things, I actually have a in life uh, or an in D and D situation where a combination of spells would have worked better than the general, you know, default spell. Uh, mm-hmm. It's actually the vampire spawn this time. And like I said, undead are reciprocally receptive to radiant damage. But what happened here was I didn't use a single tap of radiant damage for this one. We were in a cave and we had a bunch of vampire spawn chasing us and they were bloodthirsty coming at us they would not stop until they got us it was daylight outside my dwarf is a wisdom is very wisdomatic i knew what time of day it was so what we did is we ran to the you know entrance of the cave vampire stopped at the entrance of the cave our wizard put up a force wall behind them so they couldn't go back deeper oh, into fine. the cave i put a firewall so it would hit all of them and i was cooking them and they either had to a come out into the sun or B, get cooked alive. And that's just, (laughs) that's an example of how you can use spells outside the box to just do way, like, out out of this world things. You could obviously alter that to work for, you know, such and such, you know, experience. But you, in general... Most people, when they think about D&D and they think about a bunch of enemies, they think Fireball. But this was a situation where Fireball was more costs, you know, spell slots. You'd use more oh, spell right. slots with pounded Fireballs on them. We used two spell slots that entire match, and it was better than the basic default rotation of Fireball. Nice. So... I want to because I, I know that we could definitely go down the rabbit hole of talking about combat and things like that. Uh, D&D's influences. Yeah. I want to I want to I want to ask this question because I know, you know, and being in respectful of time here and also looking at kind of like our, our overall topic for today. Um, OK. When we've ta- we've hit on pro- we've well, we definitely have hit on every class some more than others as examples um it definitely was interesting to kind of like reflect on some of the wiki because clearly they've made some updates since um i mean since last time i've looked at it in terms of like what's been cataloged from live streams and it's interesting because i do wonder uh, about things like enchanting things like that specifically that are going to exist in maybe a different capacity than we're used to seeing them um what other things because then you know you think like well player stall butcher that could work right that's another way that that could potentially work there's a lot of 
possibilities. It's player agency. It's definitely profession-ish or market-ish. You know, you could think of that too. Um, so here's the thought. We, we've talked about interdependencies, all of those things. When you, what are you looking forward to the most in regard to an artisan profession? I think Donovan's probably going to say alchemy, but for us, what would be like our top, top three ish that you are most looking forward to seeing? And, and, and in that regard to those, what, what might be some concerns you have going into it? Maybe wishful thinking, hoping they don't do something specifically. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a, uh, for me. I, I'd say like anything that is gear like adjacent, right? Weapons, armors. I really want to. I'm looking most forward to that to see where they're going to land in the spectrum and getting a preview of what animal husbandry, like the the air quotes complexity, right? That we yeah. keep talking about. Right. I kind of want to see what those levers are going to be for these armor professions and how they're going to maintain their relevancy. Because out of like every profession that I've ever tried in any MMO, I've always gravitated towards those you know gear ones for my character, right? Like you know, I, and generally I was a plate wearer, so that was gonna be like in most games that was like a blacksmithy option, right? right. In some cases I've you know looked at weaponsmithing, but the the reality is it's like at some point my investment was not it was not worth my investment time investment to get to something that was relevant. So I do feel like if I had to like pick and choose you know i would say armor smithing and weapon smithing are probably like my biggest um looking forward to to see what they do and how they interact with other professions and also how customizable your gear will be because if this really is going to be like a primary source of gear for the world you've got to you know you got to do something special with it so that would be i guess my take and in terms of what I would like to do, because I have not yet been satisfied with the crafting system, and I unfortunately did not get to experience Star Wars Galaxies, um, which I heard was pretty phenomenal. Right. So I, I am waiting to be impressed, Intrepid. Yeah, this is one of the areas I think that they have the potential to just really impress. Right. I mean, I look at some of the games like City of Heroes, and I think of like the customization for skills and abilities like right off the gate. And we know this is something, by the way, that's already there in the game. We know that racial, like not racial, sorry, religious augmentation can happen to change visual effects. We know that the Kickstarter backers have visual effects for that they can alter certain. So this is going to be a thing. So here's the hoping that they get back. Because sometimes I think, you know, the conversation around innovation has been one of those things that, I find myself talking about more and more lately with MMORPGs. And sometimes it almost feels like it's considered innovative to just do some of the, the most basic fundamental things that are just missing these days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sadly. You a model. And if you stray from that model any further, you're innovative. It, it seems like it these days, right? It's like I, I was talking to there's another community. I did a video and I was like, what, what's it going to take for it to be innovative? And all the people, for the most part, who are telling me what the innovative things are going to be, they're great examples. 
But guess what they are? Exactly what we're talking about. These things that have been fundamentally missing because the model, the current practice doesn't include these things. And you're just like, damn, it just goes to show you that that people we we really aren't wanting you to deliver on a whole lot of stuff that is super reinvent reinventing of the wheel. We're just kind of wanting you to get back to those bread and butter basics that have proven to serve really well. And something that Intrepid talks about, which is we're not trying to invent the wheel. We're trying to take all the, the things that work really well and put them together. So man, they might be able to deliver on that. And I certainly hope so. I can tell you professional wise, what I've always, what I resonates the most for me, right? Blacksmithing, jewel crafting, enchanting. If it were an actual artisan class, it doesn't look like it will be. And Yeah jewel crafting blacksmithing and freaking alchemy man those are my those are always my jam usually you know in previous games uh, i would you know you had a primary and a secondary elder scrolls that could do it all i like the idea of being a master you know master crafter and like having that one thing where i'm the guy or you know you're the guy or gal who can go and you can just excel you can refine and hone your trade your your skill as a crafter and you can be that person that's known for you know just delivering on this epic high quality product that that's what can set this game apart and it's again not reinventing the wheel it's it's kind of basic it goes back to Back in the day, everything, Prince and Chat, every every artisan uh, profession or class in this game is capable of mastery in one branch of their their artisan trees. So you can only master one specific pathway. Period. You you can you know you can invest in other professions and art, other artisan classes but you, you're very limited on like how far you can really take that you can only master one thing so um i know we've uh, hit on a lot of things but you got some other thoughts any final any final feedback points discussion points we want to hit on before we wind this down yeah uh actually even though alchemy is my favorite artisan huh? class i'm actually most interested in scribes really what what about that makes you we haven't really talked about that one a whole lot what about that one interests you the most scribes are going to be interesting because there's a couple of things that are touched up on in different parts of the wiki page but under legendary items it talks about legendary items unlocking further chapters of the lore yeah yeah and lore is a big thing in ashes and scribes you know there's something interesting to me personally mm. about a lore keeper or a oh. scribe or let's say you're in a node that has been a mega node for a while and you have a historian mm -hmm. and even though it comes with currently it seems very little like combat i don't think combat at all i don't know maybe scribes could make enchantment scrolls that could help enchanters or they could scribe spells into a spell book for different classes i don't know runic power stones but, too remember there's that one yeah but oh. scribes and scientific nodes yeah history yeah scientific nodes scribes currently to me 
strike me is the most intriguing out of all of them because I also am interested to see what scribes do with the creation of recipes. And if maybe if you can create original recipes later, if they have a key part of making those recipes later. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, I I do wonder, too, also, and I'm just going to kind of like tuck this in there because I know maybe Dayless was about to say something, but it, it makes me wonder how influential they can be for recipes in general, just recipes, period, right? And and recipes might also be like declarations of war and stuff like that. Like if you need to write yeah, anything yeah. down, right? Can can this have a tie into it all? Yeah. That's that's another thing that is interesting. Let's say you are, you know, a military node and you want to declare war on a different node. Do you need a scribe to write up that whole thing and send it to someone do guilds for guild rules need a scribe for their guild for right. anything related to finance or contract it's something that even though it's not something i put a super ton of thought into mm-hmm. it intrigues me about scribes because there's just so it's basic but it's also fundamental like yeah it's so basic you could just write it off as ah it's just writing books down it's going to be a useless class but when has steven ever thought of making a useless class there's something more to scribes we haven't seen yet oh yeah there's something with all of them we've been making useless class yeah scribes Mm -hmm. specifically i think are going to play something more grandious than we currently have the view of. Absolutely. You know, you remember, I remember way back when, like originally, and I'm a little, I'm probably a little off here because I know this was addressed and I feel like it's been altered since then. And I'm sorry, I'm not a, I'm not a walking wiki, but I remember in the earliest days, it was like you would need to craft that declaration of war for for you know sieges and stuff like that right during that declaration period like this was required i remember the earliest conversation we we had was talking about how important crafters are going to be for things like even pvp because it's going to be vital to have people craft this and my first thought was scribes the moment scribes were even discussed right now i know that we don't know the full details that and sounds like in some ways uh what exactly was going to be required in order to actually craft that may not be specifically now tied to anyone you know it could be something a little bit less rigid in terms of uh crafting because we don't know exactly what it is yet but it doesn't sound as um what's the word i'm looking for here as specific to a crafter as it used to and i felt like before maybe is more specific to scribes right and i feel like that's like just it, it seems to me like fundamentally that would be your person or writing up the declaration or the scribe is writing it down. I mean, you can even talk into like yeah. historical perspectives, right? A scribe would be able to make those uh, acknowledgements of why we're going to war because I have a history, historical perspective of like A, B and C. 
are historical. And then you go and you talk about guilds and their guild halls and like, is there a way that they can keep a history? So then maybe you're even citing something based on the guild's history as a reason for that declaration of war uh, with another guild. Yeah. Finance too. Um, Yeah. Quartermastery stuff. Who who knows? Story. Yeah. Diplomacy. Diplomacy also, yeah. We yeah, only talk about mm-hmm. it's a big thing that I'm thinking about with tri- uh scribes. Guild alliances. Because it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only just alliances, when you think about the NPC, uh NPCs are, you know, they live in this world. There might be some large scale battles you can get a get out of with diplomacy from a scribe. Yeah. Let's say the giant army is ready to attack your mega node, but your scribe goes out there with an ambassador. And there you go. War averted. Yeah, who, whose head's coming back to Sam and the guild now? Dayless? Here we go. <laughs> I, I was about to <laughs> say, yeah, you know what's going to happen is you're going to get two heads back in the mail. I don't know what's going to happen. There's no diplomacy and Private ambassadors. Heads. Me, Everybody's going to either backstab you oh or cut your head off right yeah. in front of your, your homies, man. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, dude. There's like so many, so many different directions we can go with talking about these things, too. And there's a reason I haven't included so many things that we know about on the wiki into any of the HQ pages right now. And it's because so much can change. So Are much can be. Happens? What's that? Sorry. Sorry. Oh, something popped in my head. Dungeon maps. Dungeon maps, too. Yeah. Oh, that would actually be really good for the open world dungeon yeah. specifically where yeah. oh and there's a whole there's a whole conversation around that one too man like yeah 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 it's it's good to revisit the the things that have been cataloged on the wiki because like at this point in time it's like i can only put down so many things specifically that we can call sort of like word of lock if so many things are still subject to change which is why we speculate around yeah. a lot of what ifs here we are almost working on six years later At the end of this year it'll be six years later we're not there quite just yet though gentlemen it's been a great discussion um so with that being said i want to make sure that you shout out your domains if you have them or you want to shout them out on the way out of here i know donver it's a little different probably for you but daedalus and donver shout out your domains where people can find you when you're not on this show daedalus you can find me on Twitter at the Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash the Ashen Herald. And Donver. Uh you can't find me. It's, it's true. He's like I'm I'm nowhere and yet everywhere. <laughs> like, find me in Simmy's Discord. There you go. At the, uh, There's at the, the evidence. Simmy uh, Singer HQ. Oh my gosh, did you hear that though? You heard him say Simmy, right? Wait. Your voice doesn't sound like the one in the recording. Or you changed it in the recording. We had a call and it was like, Simmy. I don't know, man. I might have to do some voice analysis and I'll find out. It wasn't me. (laughs) I have a way high-pitched voice. Yeah, this is very true. I'm wondering who it was that called in and did that now. I don't know. One day I'll find you, you Simmy call-in person. You. Friends. It's been a good a good time as always. Don, we're really glad we could get you on here to do one of these uh, 
really really good yeah for sure man i mean definitely sounds like we've got a couple other ones to come back around to and discuss in the future so definitely have to do that gentlemen it's always a good time and everybody who's been here for the uh the podcast as always remember you don't have to be on this show to be a pathfinder it's literally all of you that join in by being here when we're live uh listening to it you know whether you're doing it on your drive to work or back or hanging out whatever um whether you watch on youtube or any of the other places you're also pathfinder so much love to all of you to intrepid studios and friends until next week live your best lives walk in the light and have a great night friends we'll see you again real soon good night everybody take care everybody